Greetings and welcome to another episode of The Hammer, an Empire podcast. As always, I'm your host, Kevin Weber. This particular episode has one main focus, and that is the 2023 CVUA for Umpire Evaluation Clinic that I attended in late July. And I'm going to go through each of the particular days and uh, some of the highlights that, uh, that I found from them. Um, here is the description of the CBUA for Umpire Evaluation Clinic uh, on their website. It says the uh, this clinic is located in Westfield, Indiana, which, by the way, is just outside of Indianapolis, is an elite opportunity for CBUA members selected through an application process to showcase their umpiring abilities to NCAA Division I conference coordinators and some of the top NCAA postseason umpires. The clinic is designed to identify and promote qualified umpires to higher levels of NCAA Division I baseball. 52 applicant umpires will be selected by a group of CBUA members. Over the weekend, umpires will work high school level showcase baseball and will receive an honest evaluation of their performance in accordance with NCAA standards. Last year's clinic was a major success, selling out in a matter of days with several umpires advancing their careers. If you are selected, you will need to respond quickly to reserve your spot. And I, I did the application process and uh, was f- fortunately to uh, be accepted to do this camp once again. Uh, the clinic staff for this year, by the way, was uh, you know it's kind of run by Chris Kosky, who's a five-time College World Series. Uh, umpire and many other accolades. Uh, one of the other main guys that runs the camp is Tim Farwig. He retired from uh, umpiring a couple of years ago, but he worked in the Big Ten, the Missouri Valley, the Mid-American, worked for NAIA National Championships. Mark Winters was there. He's also a College World Series umpire. He worked the, the uh, Olympics in Tokyo um, in 2021. Uh, Mark Disworth was there. He is, of course, one of the regional evaluators that helps to decide who goes to the College World Series. He himself worked three College World Series. Jeff Henricks was there. Um, he worked eight College World Series, or has so far anyway. Tim Cordell does all the classroom stuff. Um, he's on his way to a College World Series. He's worked several, uh, a couple of super regionals, and of course he works in the Big East, the Big 12, the Big 10, uh, the Summit, um, probably the SEC and everything too. And he's like the uh, director of video training for the CBOA. Jim Jackson was there. He's a College World Series umpire and now also a regional evaluator. Uh, Rich Fetchett was also there. Um, just, you know, talking to people and not necessarily evaluating umpires, but, you know, listening and, and seeing what he can. Of course, he's a supervisor of baseball umpires, uh, for the American Athletic, Big East, Big Ten, Big 12, and Mid-American Conferences. Also does the MIAA Division Three right now. He worked three College World Series himself. Uh, Scott Taylor was there, the former NCAA Division Two National Coordinator. Uh, Mark Ewell was supposed to be there. He's the CBOA Managing Director, but he had some issues he had to deal with. Grady Smith um, is the final person I'm mentioning that was there. He's a two-time College World Series umpire. And uh, that is the, uh, the, the staff that is there. So quite a decorated group. Anyway, as you'll see in these upcoming segments, uh, I go through my experience for this year's camp. 
Well, the Wednesday evening session for the CBUA four-man camp was um, was interesting. A little bit uh, on the longer side than I might have expected. The last time I was here, we didn't have like a big uh, meeting like we did uh, the evening before. Maybe that was because it was pretty soon after the pandemic. That's what I'm thinking. But anyway, uh, Rich Fetchett talked to us for a while. Chris Kosky talked to us for a while. And then Grady Smith went through a very extended and informational and informative uh, four-man mechanics and pre-game review. And um, it was it was definitely interesting, very enlightening. I mean, obviously, there's uh, I hope there's a lot of things there that I already kind of knew. But I definitely learned a few things. Like, for example, Grady Smith um, almost never comes inside when he's working first base in four-man. He's always rimming, and he's always trying to, you know, stay all the way to the throw. And um, I think for a lot of people like myself that work a lot of two-man still, uh, we're used to coming inside. So that was uh, definitely eye-opening and something I'm going to try to do the best that I can here at the camp. And then I really appreciated the time they gave to work in second base, you know, because I think that's one of the trickier, it, I think it is the trickiest thing to do in in four man, um, you know, kind of knowing your positioning, obviously, you know, they, they went over runner on third less than two outs quite extensively. Cause that's can be a, definitely a tricky thing. Uh, but they also just talked about positioning, um, while, while you're in deep B or deep C and, and talking about, you know, the advantages of those, uh, whether you're on the right field side or left field side, when you're in, you know, you know, the shallow outfield, you know, with uh, nobody on base or with two outs and a guy on third base. And uh, the reasoning behind all of those and the kind of angles you want to try to get. So I thought that was very helpful. That's something that I've tried to search out and, you know, Google things and try to find some information on how people work second base and four men. And it's, it's I think it's kind of tricky to find. So it's interesting to listen to some guys that, you know, have worked many, many games in four men. So that was Wednesday evening. I'll, I'm going to do a little report, um, you know, on Thursday and Friday and Saturday, the other days, and I'll be working here on the games and, and what I learn on each of the days. That's kind of the, the goal here, what I come away with um, as I move forward in um, this camp and in my umpiring career. Well, this was the first full day of our four-man camp here in Indianapolis. In this four-man camp, uh, we work four games, one at each of the bases. And uh, one of the days, you end up working two games. And that will be tomorrow for us, by the way. But uh, today, we just worked one game. So in the morning, uh, we had our classroom session, which was about you know two and a half hours or so um, with Tim Cordell. And they do this over at the the school that's not too far from the the fields. And uh, Tim does a tremendous job. He has lots of video, and he talks through different uh, you know situations. Today was about handling situations and injections, and um, you know all that kind of protocol and everything. And he's going to have other sessions as we go through, which I will talk about in the future here. And so we had an afternoon game. Um, our game was supposed to be like 115 and it ended up being like about 145 or so. 
and uh, two hour time limits is like probably sixteen U or so um, ball players. Game was all right, I guess. Um, I worked first base, and uh, we had a pretty smooth game overall. Other than it was one of those games that, um, I I think at first base I might have had three ground ball outs. You know where you know infielder got it and threw the guy out at first base. Maybe three for the whole seven inning game, which I think is pretty low. So we had, um, of course, we had our strikeouts and things, but some pop-ups. We had a lot of fly balls. And, you know, that I guess that's the thing. When you, aren't, when, you're, when you aren't used to a system as much as something else and you get fly balls, that's where the tricky things do kind of figure in. So we had some stuff. I thought we did pretty well. We had two hiccups. Uh, we had a runner on third only with uh, two outs. And a ball that was hit into the left center field gap. And U2 went out, as he should have on the ball. And um, our U3 came across to get the guy at second base, and uh, which he should be doing. But um, he ended up going for a triple. And um, he was, you know, late, you know, didn't actually get over there. And, and, you know, we didn't really cover that as well as a crew as we could have. Um, so... There was no play at third base, but nonetheless, it, you know, it's one of those things that they, they're looking at, and, and they talked to us about that afterward because we do about a oh, good 10, maybe 10, 15 minutes talking to whoever the evaluator is. Um, they watch the game and take notes on all of us, and, and then they tell us what they think was good and bad. So obviously that was not particularly good. And then in the, uh, the, the final inning, uh, we had a fly ball to... Uh, right field, more, I guess, right center field. And, um, of course, uh, if you know your four-man, if you're U1, you, you got to look at your U2 because if the, um, the fielder ends up turning toward his right toward center field, then that's his ball. If he comes straight in, straight back, goes toward the foul line, of course, it's, it's U1's ball. So the kid didn't read the ball very well, but nonetheless, he did kind of start eventually to turn to his right. I started to kind of go out, and then I looked at my U2 a little late. It only takes like, I don't know, a second to look at him too late or just that second to look at him in enough time. So I started stepping out. I saw he was going. I started coming back. The U1 was, you know, coming up, you know, trying to cover because there was nobody on base on that situation. Nonetheless, um... We had to play in the second. The guy, you know, there wasn't a, a a play on a base, but it wasn't the correct read and, and everything on that. Of course, they talked to us about that after afterward. I think those are the two um, worst things, I guess you could say. Not ideal and not exactly what I want, but um, you learn from it and, um, you know, do what you can. Had, you know, some good reads on things. Um, we all did. Um, I had a couple of plays on the line, you know, that I went out on. I thought I did a good job on those. Didn't really have any close plays at first base or anything, but I, you know, did fine on those things. My partners did fine on, on all of their calls. Our plate umpire did a strong job on the plate. I thought the strike zone was very good. So, you know, I guess we had a lot of calls and we had some, you know, challenging situations, I guess. Um, but, you know, you got to learn from it, and those are the things that you have. You, you want to go out and, and, like, you know, get 100%, you know. But that's really that's really hard and maybe a little unrealistic. 
And so, um, you know, it's easy to be hard on yourself, I guess. But uh, you got to just move on. And, and, you know, we've got our three other games. And we've got two games tomorrow. I've got my plate game tomorrow morning. So I certainly will be tell, telling you about that in another segment here. And uh, then um, I'm working third base for the evening game that we have. So overall, I think it went all right. Could have gone a little bit better. Um, our evaluator was good about it and, uh, and you know, gave us our positive feedback and, you know, talked about the, you know, a couple issues that we had. But uh, otherwise, pretty pretty well. The fun thing about doing some of these camps, especially when you got a crew and and everything, is you know we went out to lunch. We ate lunch together today. We went out and you know got some beverages and stuff um, afterward and talked about some things, not just baseball, but other things as well. Um, and that's fun. You know that camaraderie is a very important part of of umpiring and. Um, that's always, you know, like I know there's people out there that have aspirations to work, you know, higher levels of baseball, maybe Division One baseball or whatever, when they have series and stuff. And, and it's a wonderful thing to be able to do that. But one of the best things about it is not necessarily working the, the games or everything and traveling far and staying in a hotel and whatever the heck you got to do. It's um, hopefully being with a good crew and some guys that you could call friends and, um, and having some fun with them because when you're out there on the baseball field, you know you're you're battling. You know you're in a, a fight to do the best job you can. You're battling those teams almost in a way. You know you're in the fans maybe. You know you're hearing them. You're not trying to battle with them, I guess. And uh, so you go through the ringer together, and when you come out on the other side, you kind of have that. Um, there's always that kind of bond that you have when you all experience those things together, and um, you get that a little bit here. Technically, we're all like competing with each other, if you want to say. But in technically, you're always competing with other umpires to try to get the primo assignments or to move up and things like that. But you have to be able to be that guy that can be a good person and um, help others as needed as well and um, give positive feedback and, and, and honest feedback about yourself and um, your partners if, if they ask for it. Um, like on the fly ball situation, okay, yeah, you can say this or that. I know that if, if somebody's to blame on that, I have to read my U2 a little bit better. So that's my fault, and I said that. You know, that's on me. I mean, that's that's what it is. You have to own that and try not to make that mistake again. I think that's really hard. I, I, I do have an, a problem with well, – I don't know if it's a problem, but I think it's tough to – to pause enough, I've got to pause, read, and react better, and everybody does. Everybody always is talking about that. Um, I think it's easier to read your U two and four man when you are U three because he's right in front of you. You see what he's doing. It's like, oh, he went up. I got to go cover second base or whatever you got to do. But when you're U one, the ball is like in back of you, and you're trying to read the fielder. And seeing, you know, if, if it is a trouble situation that you would have to go out on. And um, as you're reading it, it's very easy that if you do read trouble, you just start moving. Whereas you got to read that, but you also have to read him and then take a look at your U2. I think that's the trickiest play. I think it's the trickiest play there is for a U1 and format that I have discovered. And um, if anybody has like any 
tips or if you've got some guys that work a lot of foreman, I would love to know what you do to help yourself other than just pause longer. I mean, it, to me, like I say, it really is just like, you know, one one thousandth a second. I, I don't know if it's that. It's just one one. <laughs> it's about how long you need. Just like you look at the right fielder and now you look at your partner and then you make your decision. And, and you, if you see him going, well, then you just drop back and you've got your base and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I think that's it's um, it's a tricky thing, but uh, something I, I you know learned some stuff today, and um, that's the whole point too. You're down here to try to learn and get a little bit better. Um, you want to impress, you want to try to get a better schedule, or at least maintain the schedule you have and all that. That's all part of it too, for sure. I'm not gonna lie about that, but you you certainly want to um, get better as an umpire, I and mean, that's the number one reason that we're all here. So that is kind of uh, the way things went today. I've got a good crew I'm working with, um, a couple of guys out of Chicago, um, Ben and Aaron, and then another umpire out of uh, Kentucky, Gus, and uh, they're all really nice guys and, and very good umpires. So I'm pretty lucky to be on a good crew. But everybody here is really good umpires. we got some great umpires down here. So any crew you're on, you're, you pretty much are doing just fine i think so but i've got some nice guys they're, they're fun guys to hang out with when we're off the field and uh we've got three more games and we're going to try and knock them out and do the best job that we can so that's what we got well friday here at the cbua foreman clinic was the busiest day for me and my crew uh, we had two games plus our classroom session so in the morning game, I had the plate on that game, and uh, it went pretty well. It was fairly uneventful, and I thought I had a pretty good strike zone. Um, how do I tell that? Neither team was really complaining. So I figured uh, I was getting what I could get as far as strikes. I mean, we have like, these are like 16 new guys, and two-hour time limit and such things. <clears throat> so I was doing the best I could with that, and, uh, you know, felt like I had a pretty good zone and things went well. Didn't have a whole lot going on in that particular game. Um, we had kind of a strange play on a potential balk call. It runs on first and second. And uh, they're going to try to back pick the uh, runner on first with the first baseman. So he was playing off of him, came over. If there would have been a good throw, I think he would have got him, you know, if he would have put it on the money because he was ahead of him. But these are all turf fields down here in Westfield, here outside Indianapolis. And uh, the pitcher kind of lost his footing or got twisted up or something on the mound. Ends up throwing almost like a screwball over toward first base. Takes some weird spin. Ends up going between first and second, kind of in the hole. Second baseman's got to book it over there, which he does, and gets the ball. Nobody advances. Of course, the uh, offensive team wanted uh, to get a balk on that. And our second base umpire talked to him about it. And... We did not have a box. We didn't get together. Maybe we could have. After the game, um, the uh, evaluator thought that it was probably a box. You know, um, he says that you know they're supposed to have a you know a throw that's going toward that direction. I don't know. I mean, I have to look it up. You know, I'm pretty good with my rules and my box knowledge and all that kind of stuff. But you know, I, I'm. I very well might be wrong here. Um, let's say he throws it over his head. Is that a bark? No. I mean, it's a bad throw, right? Let's say he slips out of his hand funny. 
let's say he throws it the other direction, more toward the 45, toward the first base dugout, and he hits off the dugout. Is that a balk? I don't know. I don't think so either. Um, but I'm not really sure. It, it was a strange play nonetheless. But anyway, that was pretty much it. We didn't really have a lot of rotations or anything for that. <clears throat> then in the afternoon, we went over for a classroom session, video and other things with Tim Cordell, who always does a great job. And uh, this particular session was on video review, which I thought was very, very useful, especially since I was lucky enough to work a few games last year that had that, and we actually had some reviews. So we went over all the ins and outs of that. Of course, you know, if you're an NCAA umpire, you should know the basics and things. And you are allowed to carry a kind of a cheat sheet out on the field that tells you what's reviewable, what's not, all that kind of stuff. You should have that put the memory the best that you can, but there's a lot there. So, you know, nobody's expecting you to memorize everything just to get it right when it matters. But he talked about specifics on how to go about certain protocols for review, like, um, you know, how you talk to the coaches, you know, um, if they, um, if there's some weird play and they're like, Hey, can you get together? And they're like, yeah, Hey, if we get together and we don't change it, do you want to, do you want to review? And you know, they can say yes or no. And all these kind of situations that you can, you know, use or little tools, I guess, to help you get through that because it can be tricky. And as he says, it's like going down a rabbit hole with some of these things. And some of the coaches know better than others. And some of them, they'll try to play a little bit if they can. Uh, to get the situation in their favor. I mean, that's what they do. That's what coaches are out there to do, right? Try to win the games. <clears throat> so that was very useful. So I like that. Uh, we had the one of the late games, 6 o'clock game, and uh, I had third base for that. As usual for third base, there's not always a lot going on. I had a couple of plays that really a fair foul I had to get out on with conversion fielders, which I thought I did all right with. Um I just had one play at third base late in the game. It was a reasonably close play, but the guy was safe. So I was in good position. At least that's what the evaluator said, and I did fine on that. Um, we did have one kind of quirky thing. Um, had a we, had, we were playing on a field that had particularly short fences. So there was a pretty well-hit ball to left field with a runner on second only. And I was reading it, and he just kept drifting back and back and back. I mean, kind of backpedaling, but drifting back toward the fence. So I decided to go out on it because I thought he might end up at the fence or trying to jump or whatever. Something was going to happen. That was a little strange. So I went out. My YouTube didn't quite see me go out. I mean, he was trying to line up the tag and everything, so we didn't quite get third base covered the way we wanted to. But that wasn't the end of the world, and our evaluator was pretty um, decent about it, I guess. So that was really it. Otherwise, it was a pretty uh, pretty good game. The big thing is, <clears throat> three and four man, particularly four man here, you, you start getting in trouble when there's balls in the air. Like our first game, we had a lot of fly balls. We had like three or four fly balls with a runner on third only in less than two outs, which is one of the trickier situations. You know, if it's first and second and a guy hits one up the gap or down the line and a guy has to go out, you got to make sure you're doing your stuff right. I mean, that's where it gets tricky. If they hit a ground ball right at the shortstop, you know, it's usually not much of a problem. Guys just kind of move and try to see what they can for their force out at their bases, and, and that's about it. So, or if the guy strikes out, or if he pops it up to the third baseman on the infield or something, those aren't the situations. It's when things happen. Now, of course, at a camp like this, you want um, some things to happen, and you want a few things to happen, and you want to get them right. <laughs> that's a, that's the biggest thing. You don't want a whole bunch of crazy stuff to happen and 
I mean, yeah, you would love a whole bunch of crazy stuff to happen if you got it all right. But, you know, the more crazy things that happen, the less likely it is that you might get it right, right? So you're trying to impress. I mean, most games, of course, that we work at any level, we just want to get through unscathed and have nothing happen. We want the most ho-hum game you can have out there, and it goes by quickly and is done, right? But here, you don't want a complete ho-hum game. You you want some things to happen to show that you've, you've got some, some worth, right, in that you can do things a little bit better than some other guys because the whole goal out here is to prove that you're you've got some ability and uh hopefully improve your schedule right that's that's what the whole idea of any camp is i guess is to show what you've got and improve what what your situation moving forward so that's what we had on friday saturday we just have one game in classroom in, in the morning and i will clue you in on that after it happens <music> All right, final day of the CBUA four-man clinic, Saturday. We had a little bit lighter day. Um, we had a, like 11 o'clock classroom session with Tim Cordell, which, as always, was good. He talked about strange plays and, uh, you know, as always, showing video and stuff. And uh, that was very interesting, you know, just kind of, Unique situations, how to handle certain things. He went over certain things with uh, mechanics as well, particularly working second base, which I think is the most challenging thing to do in four-man, personally. And that is the position that uh, I work for my final game here at the clinic, uh, the six o'clock, one of the 6 o'clock games. So that was good. Uh, after that, we had a bunch of time. Um, you know, we had already checked out of the hotel. I did anyway, so I kind of found some things to do and then got up to the ball field and got ready and we had our six o'clock game. And like I said, I had a second base. Overall, pretty clean game. Um, this clinic, and I was talking to Jim Jackson, our last evaluator, I think every single game we had of the four games, we had two to four fly balls with a runner on third and less than two outs, which I think is um, maybe the trickiest situation to have to deal with in a four-man, or definitely right up there. I mean, it's 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 in the running for it if, if, if it's not the trickiest. And we had almost every kind of scenario throughout the weekend that you might consider, all right? Uh, for example, in this game, uh, we had, you know, runner on third earlier in the game, Fly ball down the left field line. U3 reads it, or U3, you did a nice job. And um, went out a little bit late, which he has a right to do. And so I was, you know, the U2, and I had to come in and cover third. I don't know if I've ever had to do that when I've worked second base in format. Now, I've only worked maybe half a dozen games at second base in format, so it's not like I have all this experience or something. But you know, okay, so I had to do it, which which is good, I guess. It, it also proves that I can, you know, know what I'm doing, I guess. Then we had the same situation uh, later in the game, and we had a fly ball, sinking fly ball, looping liner kind of thing to center field, and we had to cover that as well. Um, didn't <laughs> I can't say I've had that either. Um, the only thing we didn't have was, you know, one down the right field line, and I had to book my butt or whoever you two was, all the way over to first base and cover first and second and all that kind of good stuff. 
So, um, yeah, we had some unique situations with a runner on third and less than two outs throughout our time together. And I think we all handled them pretty well. Um, also, later in the game, too, we had a situation where um, runner on third, less than two outs, and they played the infield in. So, you know, as a U2, you got to creep in you know, as far in as you can get for that as well. <laughs> I don't think I've had that either. So kind of crazy. But nonetheless, a, a pretty decent baseball game that we had. Um, we had a situation where we had a, a jump turn uh, balk to first where the kid just uh, jump turned, I, I thought, and so did our, our U1, um, that he just jumped, turned, and didn't throw, which, you know, he did not throw. Um, we got together, and our plate umpire and our U3 thought that he had stepped off. U1, who called the balk, said he did not. I said, I don't think he stepped off. I mean, I'm not 100% sure, but I'm pretty sure he didn't because I was in deep B at the time because there was just a runner on first. And uh, so we got together, and... You know, it wasn't a video review, but it was the call stands because it was kind of a split decision, I guess, and we weren't going to flip that. Uh, so that was really the only, I don't know, that's not even really tricky, but the only thing that was of consequence, I guess. I had a steal call at second, um, which I got right. It wasn't too big a deal. Had a pickoff play at second. Both of them reasonably close, but I felt like my position was pretty good, and so did uh, Jim Jackson, so that's good. I Felt like I did all right there. He uh, mentioned being closer to the infield when I'm setting up, you know, in the outfield, like with nobody on base and stuff, and um, to make sure that, you know, you can get back there. And I think he's 100% right on that. Um, I, you know, next time, whenever the heck it is that I might work second base and four man, I definitely will be closer. Um, maybe not just, you know, just a little bit off the, the dirt, you know, just barely onto the grass. Um, yeah, so that was his probably his biggest suggestion for me, and I think he's right there. I mean, I didn't have anything where I wasn't able to get back to second base, but I, I, I did feel like if there could have been something, maybe, and I'm not as fast as I used to be, so, and these kids are just as fast or faster every time I go out there, so they get faster and faster, right? So um, I tried to make sure I was checking the outfielders to kind of see where they were when I got a chance, you know, just kind of glancing back at them. Um, I line up on the, you know, the, the right center field side. Um, I know you can line up on either side, but that's where I choose to, to go, and that seems where a lot of guys seem to go. Um, and I just pretty much stay in deep B um, the whole time. I mean, I adjust if there's just a runner on second to be like more even with the bag so I can see that front edge of the bag. I'm up on the, the grass, you know, um, when there's a potential steal play. I know a lot of guys do like to work C um, or maybe they move back and forth. Um, when I work three-man, I work deep B, and I'm used to that. Of course, when I'm, you're in two-man, you're taking steal plays from C anyway. So I know you're in regular C for that. So you have to kind of move a little bit more, but I'm used to that angle. So I just kind of keep with that and um, not try to rock the boat, I guess. So overall, a very good experience. I, I felt like I did a better job than I did a couple of years ago when I was here. I've had more experience with four men since then and, and know the system a little bit better. So that seems logical that that would be the feeling. Um, you know, the whole goal of anybody coming here uh, is to 
improve their schedule or at least maintain their schedule. Some guys are trying to get into Power 5 conferences, particularly the Big 12 or the Big 10. Um, but uh, I, I don't know if that's really in the cards for me. I mean, never say never, I guess. But, uh, you know, if I'm able to do one or two Big 10 non-cons, that's great. Um, if I'm able to maintain that, if they give me some more mid-major stuff or just maintain what I had, that's fine too. I'm just, you know, trying to get better, just like these other guys. The biggest thing about all of this is the people that you meet that maybe you didn't know, or maybe you knew their name, but you didn't really know them very well. And uh, I had a really good crew and, and, you know, we went out to eat several times and we hung out together and we talked about stuff. And, and those are the things, you know, you kind of, you know, I know it's the World War II thing, the band of brothers, but you, you do feel that way sometimes in the umpiring world. I know a lot of you guys out there feel that way too, no matter what level you might be working. So you have those friendships, you go through stuff together um, on the baseball field that kind of binds you together a bit. And, uh, you know, we all went through this camp together. So that's an important thing. Um, and that's probably the most important thing. So I, I hope I get to work with the couple of guys that were on my crew that were from the Chicago area. Um, I'd like to work with, uh, Gus, you know, who's from Kentucky, but it doesn't seem very likely our geography is not really working, but you know, Chicagoland area, that's, uh, definitely something I end up going over there. Sometimes they could go my way, you know, toward Michigan if they wanted to, uh, if the assigners want to put us together. So we'll see what happens, but otherwise good experience, weather cooperated. All right. And, uh, I'm ready to head home. <laughs> You know, it's a, a lot of concentrating for a few days there and uh, in the middle of the summer, uh, and it's time to go home. So that is my final report from the 2023 CBUA four-man clinic. So there you have another episode, a special focused episode of the Hammer and Umpire podcast. Thanks for sticking with me. Hopefully you found this information uh, interesting and maybe useful as well if you decide to go to a camp such as this. Um, we did get some information uh, from Chris Kosky um, after the fact, and he um, sent us, for one thing, the 2023 NCAA replay manual because, you know, we had some segments on that, as I mentioned. But he also said as a point of info that over the next few weeks that uh, the game evaluation seats that they filled out will be tabulated and combined in a spreadsheet that they're going to send to the collegiate assigners for assignment considerations. And of course, um, even though we went to this just because you participated in it, it doesn't guarantee you any future assignments or anything like that. You, you, you know, It is what it is, but it certainly hopefully doesn't hurt you and um I know one thing for sure, I learned a lot and uh, I think became a better umpire because of my participation in the camp and uh, it definitely was worthwhile. Definitely cost some money to go to, all camps do, especially if you're traveling some distance and you got to pay for gas and food and hotels and such things. But uh, if you want to move up, you have to attend some camps and you have to show what you can do. Hopefully not what you can't do, but that comes with it too, or that you're trying to improve on the things that you're not so good at. And uh, we only have a, a short window of time to um, 
reach the summit of whatever our umpiring abilities are. And so you have to take into your hands the opportunities that come about and do what you can with them. With that, I urge you to seek out those opportunities. And when you get the chance, keep calling strikes.